Have you noticed how quickly something like money can go from being a blessing that you enjoy to a problem that you can't seem to solve? As Americans, we live in the richest culture that the world has ever known. And if we're honest, all of that money has not solved our money problems. Many of us have debt that enslaves us to do work that we don't enjoy, to pay for things in our past we don't want or even have anymore. And all of these problems keep us from ever living with the freedom we want to experience. Maybe it seems that no matter how much progress you make in your finances, it always feels like you're playing catch up. And so money is just something you don't wanna talk or think about at all. But in this series, we've been talking about how we can find solutions to the problems in our lives, but it won't be by focusing on problems in front of us. We have to go upstream to the source to find our solutions. And for those of us at Community Christian, we believe that the source of all things in life, in fact, the source of life itself, is the God we see in Jesus Christ. And we believe the solution to every problem in life, even our money problems, can be found in following Him. And that may sound naive, but I hope you'll stick throughout this video because I think you'll see that Jesus' way of life and handling money is easier and more life-giving than the way that most of us have done it. And even if you're not sure you believe all we do, I believe that if you will begin to test out Jesus' teachings in your life, you'll find what many of us at Community Christian have, that He's right about everything, and that He only has good in mind for your life. The way we say it around here is that no matter what you think about God, He can't stop thinking about you. He is for you, and we want to help you find all God has in store for you. Hi, my name is Brandy, and welcome to Community Christian Anywhere. started talking about how to change our attitudes about money and stuff and begin to understand what Jesus taught, which is you're not an owner. The money and stuff I have may feel like it's mine and others may tell me it's mine, but the point is that's where I begin to get off track. Jesus would say, it's not your money to do with whatever you want to do. You're just a manager of God's money and stuff. Therefore, You'll handle it better if you remember to advance the owner's goals, not your own. I handle my money better when I remember God owns it all. Now, I've been saying Jesus taught this and that's true, but it's also true to say that that teaching didn't originate with Jesus. It's taught all throughout the Bible. God was giving this information to human beings long before Jesus came to the planet. For instance, the Bible says in 1 Chronicles, Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. There are like 50 other verses like that in the Bible. It all belongs to God, 100%. The money in your wallet, it's not your money, it's God's money. And last week to drive that home, that everything you have doesn't belong to you, 
I gave you a dollar to carry around with you all week long, and I ask you to bring my money back with you this Sunday. Uh, this wasn't the church's money, it's mine. I'm gonna tell you what to do with that before we're done today. The idea that you're just a manager is key to turning money into the blessing it was intended to be and keeping it from becoming a problem. All my life, I've had smart people who've helped me manage the assets I've had. When I had a little, I, helped, I had help managing it. And as the amount grew, I've kept that pattern. A few years ago, Becky and I hired a new financial manager and Becky and I went in, sat down in his office to talk to him and began this meeting. He began it the way every good financial advisor does. He said, Ed and Becky, what do you want to accomplish with your assets? What are your goals? Now, that makes sense for him to ask that because he knows he's just a manager. He takes his cues from us. And every time we meet to review what's happening, he has that same question. I'd be really nervous if I had an appointment with him scheduled and he said, Ed, I wanted you to know how thankful I am to you. You gave me your money to manage because my kids have been after me for months to go to Disney World. And my wife and I have wanted to add on to our home and you giving me your money allowed me to accomplish all those goals. Honestly, I, I like him, but I'm not all that interested in him and using my money to accomplish his goals. I want him to tell me how he's doing with my goals. Every time you put money in your bank account online and you see that whatever the balance is, you need to feel the tension. That's God's money. How should I manage it? It's a spiritual issue. It's not just mine. It's not just yours. We can't do whatever we want with it. Now, to get us all headed in the same direction today, I, I wanna start with an exercise to help you feel what I'm gonna talk to you about today. And I, I, I want, here's what I wanna ask you to do. Put your hands in a fist just like this, okay? Now, I'm not gonna ask you to punch anybody though. You, you probably got a list of people you wanna start with. Hope, I hope I'm not on that list. But in just a moment, I, I'm gonna say go, and here's what I wanna ask you to do. When I say go, I'm gonna ask you to take the fist that you have right there in front of you and just start squeezing with everything you got, okay? I'm gonna time it, you don't have to worry. Just keep squeezing until I say stop, okay? Ready, set, go, squeeze. Really hard. Squeeze tight like uncomfortably tight. You should start to feel it a little bit right now if you're doing it and your forearms should start to feel a little bit. And maybe if you're doing it right the way I'm asking, you, you can feel it in your biceps. In a moment, it, it's gonna go from your arms into other parts of your bodies. Ladies uh, with long fingernails, I, I'm sorry, let's keep right on squeezing. Maybe think about an X if that helps you. <laughs> Okay, just a little longer. Don't quit. Come on, hold in there. You can keep going. Five, four, three, two, one, stop. Now just slowly open your hands. Isn't it funny how hard it is to open your hand? I mean, after you clench them for a while, for maybe 30, 40 seconds, and you just let your hands open all the way? Now, that's an illustration of an important upstream practice that 
will turn money into a blessing and keep it from becoming a problem. It's just this, open your hands. And I wanna talk to you about this from a teaching of Jesus in a self-titled book written by a guy named Matthew that's found in the New Testament. I heard this uh, way of looking at it through Gene Apple, but he says he heard it through Louis Giglio, so I'll give them both credit. It's a passage of Jesus entering Jerusalem in the final week of Jesus' life. It's what Christians around the world would call Palm Sunday. Jesus knows he's just a few days away from being crucified. He's about to give his life to reconcile the world to God. And then this is what happens. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And at once you will find the donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. We aren't told who the two disciples were, but I have to think Jesus can see in their faces that they are puzzled or hesitant, like they're wondering, what do we do if the owner asks us about what we're doing? So before anyone says anything, Jesus says, if anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. This was the prophet Zechariah. Say to daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of the donkey. So the two guys have to be like, um, okay. So the disciples went and did as Jesus instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and they placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them across the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed him shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So let's talk about a couple of things out of this account that we can learn about living open-handed that become the way money and stuff can go from a problem to a blessing. First, it's absurd to think that God needs anything from you. Think about this. If God owns everything, then he doesn't need anything from you or me. I mean, here, Jesus sends these two disciples to bring the two donkeys. When these same two disciples had seen him feed thousands with a sandwich or two, why didn't Jesus just get on with what he wanted to do and make two donkeys come into existence? But he doesn't do that. He asked someone to borrow a donkey that he created. And evidently, God had already touched the heart of this donkey owner to allow Jesus to use the donkeys that day. But don't forget, it didn't have to be done that way. But this is just the way God works. God can do stuff without us, but most of the time he doesn't. He chooses to work through us. The fact that God who owns it all has ever asked you, has ever asked me for anything is not the way it has to be. In fact, it's just extra time and hassle that God shouldn't need to mess with. But 
the fact that God comes to people that He has made and asked to borrow things that He created and that He gave to us in the first place and things that when we die, we'll return to Him to distribute again. It's the long way around. So when God says to us, I want you to go and make disciples. I want you to love the people around you. I want you to care for the sick and help those who are poor and in need. I want you to take some time that I have given you and talent that I gave you and money I gave you. And I want you to do what I am wanting to accomplish in the world. When Jesus says, hey you, I need your donkey. My hands need to be open and say, Lord, if you want it, here it is. And I mean, it's really your donkey, your money, your stuff, your time anyway. So sure, since God owns it all, it's absurd that he asks us for anything when it's his anyway. But that is how he works. Second, it's absurd that Jesus rides into town on the generosity of just a regular old donkey owner. Why not on the back of a Roman soldier's white horse? Why not in a king's chariot? Why let the crowd be the one singing? Why not call back the angel choir that terrified the shepherds at his birth? Because this is the pattern God uses. He partners with willing people in this world to accomplish His purposes. He allows us to be part of blessing the world so we can be blessed. He chooses to use the generosity of donkey owners. I really believe that the way Jesus intends to ride into Sharpsburg and Noonan and Moreland and Palmetto to ride into your neck of the woods is the generosity of ordinary people like you and me. He just says, I need a donkey. So you don't have to be the richest per person in the world, the richest person in town for God to use you. Even if you only have a donkey or even a little donkey, don't freak out because it's the ordinary person in the eyes of God that can give extraordinarily to the purpose of God. I love that when Jesus arrived, you remember the phrase, the whole city was stirred. Think about that. The ordinary owner of a donkey helped God set off a tidal wave of wonder in a whole city. And when Jesus came in on generosity's back, the whole city was stirred. And I think that's what God wants to do in towns and cities that we all live in. He's thinking, I want the whole town to be stirred. I want everybody to ask, what's happening? Who is this? And how's it gonna happen? It isn't gonna happen by preaching. I mean, yeah, it's gonna happen with the church, yes. It's gonna happen when we live lives that look like Jesus, yes. But it's also gonna happen when ordinary people reflect our generous God with acts of generosity. That's always how Jesus has entered towns and cities. You don't realize it, but simply you being able to watch this video, you came riding into town on the back of somebody else's generosity. There was generosity of people who gave to start this church 30 years ago and the generosity of people through the last 30 years who've kept it going until the day that you could see this video. It, it's absurd that God would ask anything of us. It's absurd that Jesus rides into town on the generosity of ordinary people. And third, it's absurd that our generosity writes us into the story of God. Our greed can write us out of the story of God, but our generosity writes us into the story.
Think about donkey owner guy. He's written to, into the account of the life of Jesus for us to read 2,000 years later because he was responsive to the Lord asking him to give. Listen, it's those little acts of responsiveness to God's prompting in our lives that writes us into the story of God. There's a widow we meet in the story of Jesus, and all we know is she had a penny, a mite. It's called the smallest amount, and she gave it all to support God's work. There's a little kid. He has five loaves of bread and two fish for his lunch, and we don't know much more about him, but we know he's in the story of Jesus. There's this affluent guy with some political power named Joseph. He's from a place called Arimathea. Why do we know about these people? Because God chooses to invite people into his story. And we don't get written in because we're important or because we did this or that. We can be written into the story when we're available through generosity to God. Why is donkey guy in the story? Well, God had promised over 500 years earlier in Zechariah chapter nine, this whole thing was gonna happen. Jesus, the king, was gonna come riding gently on a donkey, on the foal of a donkey. And 500 years later, one man's generosity fulfills God's destiny for a city. And I wonder what promises of God to our world and our cities we're gonna be a part of fulfilling because of your generosity. And you get written into the story of God. Think about it. For the rest of his life, this guy could say, hey, you know, when Jesus rode in on a donkey, those are my donkeys. His kids for the rest of their lives would be like, my dad's donkey guy. Maybe in heaven, his name tag's gonna be donkey guy. Or maybe it just says generous. I don't know. It's absurd because we're not the point of the story of this world. The story is about Jesus. He's the story. And yet our generosity writes us into the story of God. The area where I live is probably 60% Christian, 40% Muslim. Okay. But as a nation, Indonesia is about 85% Muslim. Um, and unfortunately, more and more radicals are emerging. There's five religions that are recognized in this country, or six now, that are recognized in this country. And you have to have a religion. You may not be agnostic. You may not be atheist. Because of that, it causes a divide. But it used to be, they teach tolerance is taught in schools and supposed to be enforced that you have to respect whatever people's religion is, but you may not influence people to change their religion. I wanted a way to build relationships between the Christian and the Muslims that had been separated because of the conflict. They used to live side by side. Now we have Christian villages Muslim villages or neighborhoods in this town. And because of that, I'm like, if they don't interact together, they'll never learn to trust each other. I had the opportunity to work with Save, for the, Chil Save the Children here in Ambon doing child-friendly schools. And when I started doing that, training teachers about being, remembering that education is about the students and not about what the teacher gets out of it and that we need to be in it for making a difference in their lives. I learned that corporal punishment and ridicule were a regular part of education in this province. And so we wanted to start 
quality education without corporal punishment, with an English basis to attract people, and then build relationships between Christian and Muslims so that they would feel comfortable. And I never would evangelize a child because I wouldn't want somebody to approach my child. A lot of schools in Indonesia test kids to get in if they're private schools like us. We don't. I'm like, you don't test kids. They come in, you take them where they are, and you take them to where they need to go. We have been blessed with about 12 Muslim families, and that's not very many uh, over the last few years, but because uh, we've had over 200 students at one point, now we're at 175. I was always a little hesitant about hiring somebody that was not a believer. Last year, that changed. I hired Miss Elsa. She is Muslim. She was raised in a Christian area though, and she grew up here. She was not living separate from the Christians, so she knows a little bit more. But she is quite devout. She says her prayers at school. She wears the head covering that is quite long. And, but it's an awesome opportunity to share with her. Every morning we have devotions together as a staff and we share the word. I know at least she's getting to hear the scripture every day, whether she applies it or she reads it, I can't force her that, but it's an opportunity to share. Elsa entered a competition, a video competition on teaching creatively and she won, representing wow. her start. And the teachers in the community were like, oh, we didn't know you had a Muslim teacher. I said, yeah. And they're like, oh, wow. You know, so they were shocked by that too, that just changing that mindset, but just being able to continue to know that it's, that we're shining a light and we're making a difference. Who knows, she might be the key to the whole area where she lives, because she lives in a very radical area in the town now. So we're seeing slowly that people are beginning to trust us more um, and that's the most important thing is building the trust first, building the relationship in the community, and then knowing that we love their kids no matter who they are. If you regularly give to Community Christian, you don't ever see it, but your generosity is changing lives on the other side of the world. That may not even be the reason you give. You gave because Jesus asked for it. But you can't imagine the impact it's having on the world around you. So here's the fourth thing I want you to take away from this story. Donkey guy, he gets his donkey back. A number of years ago, I was selected along with 20 other pastors to receive an all expense paid trip to Israel and the surrounding areas. And we were there for like 17 days. And I've been on the exact route that Jesus took from the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem. It's not real long. You can do the walk in 20 minutes or so. Probably took Jesus longer with all the people along the way. And I don't know this, but I imagine that donkey guy is kind of following along as people were singing and shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then when they get down into the valley and Jesus gets off the donkey, the guy gets his donkeys back and he takes them back to where they came from, ties the donkeys right back up. He gets it all back. Jesus isn't riding into town the rest of the week on the donkeys. He doesn't get taken from the soldiers off the back of the donkey. Donkeys go back to the owner. Now, I know when it comes to generosity, like we're supposed to be 
altruistic and all these things that these amazing motives but let's face it we're human we're flesh and blood so let me put this in terms that we can understand if you get absurd and become generous to god guess what god becomes more than generous with you and that's not me saying that the bible says that jesus said give and it'll be given to you follower jesus named paul said he says it like this whoever sows generously reaps generously in fact he writes a lot about this he says now he referring to god now god who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness you will be made rich in every way why does god enlarge your harvest of righteousness so that you can be generous on every occasion now i don't want you to hear me saying that this is god's get rich scheme for you god isn't promising dollar for ten dollar return or even dollar for dollar return he says he's going to bless you and i want to be clear i'm teaching this first because i believe it's true and it's important for me as a pastor of community christian to teach those who call community christian their church family it's important that i teach you the truth but if you're joining us today and you're just listening to me let me tell you this it's been our policy for the whole 30 years of our church life to ask people who don't give to our church not to give but to receive whatever you get from us as a gift you'll notice we never even mention in this whole time online together giving so this is not pointed at you other than to tell you this is truth from god but those of you who call community christian home let me just clarify with you what what's at stake everything you love about community christian including what happens online is only possible because someone years ago decided to be committed to the absurdity of generosity that generosity in the last year allowed us to give away thousands and thousands of dollars to help people in our country, our state, around the world in a large variety of ways. We are on mission to help every person in our area to follow Jesus while helping others do the same. Even in the midst of COVID, we've seen God do incredible things through your generosity. And I believe what's been done in the past is just a prelude to what's ahead. I'm not done, and I believe our greatest days of impact are still ahead of us. But it always depends on more of us opening our hands and practicing the absurdity of generosity. I think the most important first step some of you could take would be just to be intentional with your giving. Make generosity a habit in your life that's critical to growing in this area. I think it's even more critical than the amount you give. So if you've never given or you've only given sporadically, here and there, I'd, here's what I'd urge you to do. Go to our website, set up an automatic draft of an amount you know you can do. Make it automatic to get the habit in place. Then as you see God begin to work in your life, move the amount up into an area that you feel represents God's blessing in your life and how generous he has been to you. Becky and I made a decision years ago to make our giving automatic. Every week, our bank sends a check from my account, our account, to Community Christian Church. Then at the end of every year, when I see the amount that God has blessed me to give, we pray and we consider, can we be more generous or is this where we should be? For many years, we just stayed at the same level, but then other years, we have moved ahead. But I urge you, 
make a decision in advance to do what God is calling you to do. Don't count on remembering or being motivated by something that, some plea that's made. Your bank can help you with this, or you can do it on our website. I'll tell you this from my point of view, having been a community Christian for, for the whole time, 31 years, I've seen the impact of normal, everyday people who just decide to do that. God has done extraordinary things through their gifts, and you're the beneficiary of their generosity. I think of one of the men who helped start this church, who's now with the Lord in heaven, his name was Gene, and Gene had been a businessman who never married, and he was in his 50s when I met him. He had lived a generous life that was, it just wasn't about him. He threw his lot in with this young preacher and gave, and he was the first one to tell me that God's gonna reach a lot of people through this thing. Not every time, but often when I sit and I watch a baptism, or I help someone who's addicted take their first step towards sobriety, or I hear of someone in being invited by a friend whose marriage was on the rocks and they come and their marriage gets helped too, I think about Gene. And I think about how his generous heart has impacted those who they don't even know his name. Community Christian family, listen. Every single one of you have invested along the way in every single baptism that happens, every single marriage that gets healed, every single person who comes to know Jesus, young or old. It makes that investment worth it. No one may ever know your name. No one may know that what you've done. I mean, you don't know Donkey Guy's name either. But we know what he did. He's in the story of Jesus. And just like Donkey Guy, just like you, we get to be in the story of Jesus. But because ultimately, it's not a story about two guys or two donkeys or a guy's generosity. This is a story about who's riding the donkey. It's a story about God's generosity. This is a story about an amazing and generous God and how he writes us into his amazing story of generosity. There is a life of freedom and peace available in Jesus. And the life he offers isn't only for your afterlife. It's available right here and now. And it can change every area of your life, including your finances. And here at Community Christian, we want to help you take a step towards the full and abundant life Jesus offers in every area of your life. And so that's why we're offering a course called Rock Solid Finances. This course will offer incredibly practical steps for you to take to eliminate debt, create a plan for the future, and enter into the worry-free, peaceful life of financial freedom. And the good news is that you don't have to do it on your own. If you reach out to us right now by texting money to the number on the screen, we will get you paired up with someone who can go through this course with you. Not only will you learn some practical steps for your finances, but you'll be able to share your struggles and burdens with someone who can relate. So make sure you reach out to us by texting the word money to the number on screen, and we'll help you take your next step towards freedom because we want your experience with this video to be more than just another piece of content you consume, but a doorway into a community you can be committed to. 
because the life Jesus offers is one where we don't have to go through the problems of this life alone. We can be a part of a new family that will encourage and support us on this journey. So reach out by texting money to the number on the screen and we'll be in touch. And in case you're wondering what to do with that dollar that Ed sent you, well, you'll need to bring it with you to our online gathering next week to find out as we conclude this series with one of our favorite Sundays of the year. But no matter what you do, I hope you leave knowing that our amazing and generous God has invited you into a better life than you could ever imagine. No matter what you believe about Him, because no matter what you think about God, He can't stop thinking about you.